Hey there, welcome to SaaS Unbound, brought to you by SaaS Group. I'm your host, Anna Dana, and this is the show where we chat with inspiring founders and experts to get an inside scoop on how they made their business success. And today with me is David Nellison, CTO, co-CEO, co-founder of Sight, uh, an AI engine that discovers real estate development potentials in real time. They are VC-backed and have a very ambitious goal of using AI to analyze the economic and ecological potential of land throughout Germany. So it's super cool to have you here. Uh, and one of the reasons is that I know nothing about this space. So it's really, really cool to learn. <laughs> so welcome. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm very happy to be here, Anna. So I'm looking forward to this episode. Awesome. All right. And uh, first of all, I've got to say, I think that's the longest title I've ever seen. So how do you <laughs> how do you manage all that? You're a CTO and co-CEO. Yeah. So, um, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm the co-founder because I'm, I'm founded the company. And this is, of course, something you also want to um, yeah, show, basically. And my main uh, focus within the company is... Um, a tech so i'm leading the the product tech department so i'm the cto but um yeah i'm also responsible um, besides that for a couple of yeah let's say um topics that would uh, normally be in the role of the ceo which is mainly my co-founder matthias um, but um, some of the responsibilities like for example investors relations and fundraising i do that and this is why uh, I added this third title to my LinkedIn profile of a co-CEO. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Uh, so let's maybe get a bit uh, of your background too. How do mm -hmm. you um, how do you get into the AI space and uh, sustainable urban development uh, altogether? Yeah. So um, my background is a completely different one. So. Uh, I'm from a city of Münster in, in Northwest and moved to the South to um, study math in Freiburg. And um, yeah, there I was researching very abstract stuff, quaternionic keller manifolds. Um, but I also had always a practical side in me and I founded my first company back then in, during studies. Um, it was a small web development agency in, in 2005. We already founded with um, yeah, a friend of mine and it was not very successful, but, um, I learned how to code and, um, also did my first entrepreneurial steps. And, um, then in 2012, I moved on, um, to Hamburg and, uh, co-founded a startup called Familonet. And this was a very, uh, yeah, cool and, and helpful experience for me. So um, it was a completely different startup um, topic that we do now, a B2C app, family app. And um, yeah, there I basically went through the entire journey from founding over multiple financing rounds um, to the exit. And um, after that, I still um, yeah, worked for the new owner for uh, three more years. And um, after that, I uh, took a year off and uh, traveled the world uh, together with my girlfriend in an old um, camper van, uh, which yeah, was a, an adventure by itself. And during that journey, um, I met my 
very old friend Matthias um, on yeah, Sri Lanka. It was a half um, um, yeah, coincidence, I would say. And uh, we met there. And he's uh, his background is he's an experienced architect and also an entrepreneur. So he found his own architecture company, became a partner of a large architecture company called Mars and Partner in Münster. And um, mm, to also understand the background of site, one needs to, to understand where um, uh, yeah, this is coming from. And, and basically, Mars and Partner, they are not a typical architecture firm, but they um, work together with um, yeah, real estate developers in early phase because they are They know the building law very well and they learn, uh, they know how to calculate. And um, basically, if you want to know what can you do with a property, um, then yeah, they, they can answer this question very quickly in, in early phase. But it was always a lot of uh, work still for the architects because you need to check the, um, the local building law is different everywhere. Uh, you need to get zoning plans. Uh, if there are no zoning plans, you often even have to drive there because you need to know um, how are the buildings next to the site that you want to develop, what are the east side, the rich sides, the volumes next to it. And um, yeah, after all that, the architects make a, make a small, um, let's say, model and a, um, a small study. And um, at the end, um, this helps basically to decide um, yeah, how worthy it is to To develop this property or not and uh, one of the main figures that comes out of this first um, uh, study is um, basically the floor space that you can generate on a um, on a property and this depends on so many things and, and so much data and um, the idea of Matthias was when we met on, on Sri Lanka where the first um, ideas uh, arise um, that it should be possible um, or would it be possible with the power of data and machine learning and AI yeah, with all these modern technologies to automate this process. And that was the original idea of SITE to um, yeah, basically answer this question, uh, what is on a property, what uh, can you do, how can you develop it in real time? And yeah, of course, from then on, it uh, developed much further, but this is where it all got started. Okay, wow, that, that sounds really exciting. And uh, you seem super excited about it. So <laughs> how, how did you get so excited about uh, architecture? Did, you, uh, did mm. you have some kind of interest before or was it your, your co-founder that you know, fired you up like this? Um, a mixture of both. Um, of course, Matthias uh, motivated me a lot, but I also had a lot of interest in. So um, after my previous startup, yeah, which was a B2C company, so my, my interest was really, so the next thing I want to build is a B2B product. Um, and um, also as a techie, um, I'm yeah, interested, of course, in, let's say, more these deep tech solutions um, where there's a lot of value being generated from, from the technology. Um, and at the same time, I, I always um, found uh, real estate and architecture also um, very interesting because um, especially of um, yeah, one fact that I realized um, at some point in time, because as a software developer, you are creating, yeah? similar to an architect um, who's building a, a building. Yeah? And, and as a software developer, you, you build software. Um, and 
what's fascinating about software is that with very little resources, yeah, as, as one person, you can create something um, that is of value for, yeah, potentially millions of, of, of people, yeah. So, um, but at the same time, software is also very fragile in, in the uh, today, yeah. If you don't touch it for a year or two, um, yeah, maybe you um, get kicked out of the App Store or there are some, yeah, uh, security issues and, and you always need to keep it up to date and, and also keep it up to date with the demands of, of the customers. And this is different when in architecture and buildings. So um, it's also the creative process of building that requires much more resources. But if you have this building built, yeah, then it stays for maybe 100 years or even longer. And um, this is what um, I find very yeah, appealing of, the, of that. All right. Well, it's, it's very interesting. I just yesterday thought about uh, a comparison that, you know, when you build something, a lot of founders think about a company as a building. They build it and then, you know, it mm -hmm. just lives. But then there are so many challenges to it. But then I kind of started uh, getting deeper into this analogy and I thought, but then, you know, you have leaky pipes and then you have like windows uh, creaked. And uh, so it's definitely like a building. <laughs> That's true. That's a good comparison. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, but like you said, you went a, a lot deeper, right? And now it's sustainable development, uh, climate sensitive planning. Uh, when I first read climate sensitive planning, I thought, okay, well, what could that be? For me, like climate sensitive planning is the fact that I decide that next country we're moving in should have a milder climate. <laughs> so <laughs> what's, <laughs> what's in it for you? Yeah, so um, uh, to answer this, um, also I have to yeah, explain a little bit how the, the industry is currently yes, changing. Please. So um, the, um, of course, the de demand or the change in society uh, towards more sustainability, it's everywhere. And um, um, also now coming to the real estate and construction industry. And it was not sustainable at all for, yeah, the entire past, basically. So, um, um, yeah, so it's always been been working with these materials like concrete. I think only concrete um, uh, uses 7% of the energy consumption of the world yeah, to build concrete. And, and um, um, yeah, so just building a building is not really sustainable in terms of the materials, but then also um, the... Um, regulations and also the subsidies in Germany, they were um, made in a way um, that um, old buildings were always demolished and then new, new buildings were built. Yeah? So you got basically uh, for new buildings, you got a lot of subsidies and it was intended that if there's a building that's maybe even okay, that it's demolished and then a new building is created. And um, this is one aspect that has recently changed. Yeah. So um, the subsidies and the regulations, they have changed. Um, but there are also a lot of other aspects um, in, in terms of um, sustainability in, in, in building. So of course, how, how much energy uh, consumption the building has, that depends on the materials you use, the isolation, um, the sources of energy. So do you have maybe 
um, geothermy or you still use gas, um, these kind of things. And another important aspect is also um, the seal surface. Um, yeah, so um, basically um, the land is... Um, uh, it's not uh, endless, yeah. So we have limited. Uh, it's a limited resource, the land, and we also have to, um, yeah, keep this in mind that we uh, don't, um, yeah, um, seal um, more and more of the land. At some point, there won't be uh, anything left. And um, at the same time, it's also uh, negative for the cities because um, soil sealing heats up the cities and water cannot drain and so on. So there are, there are a lot of aspects that um, you have to take into account um, here when it comes to uh, sustainability and uh, building. And with Insight, we're trying to give this holistic view yeah, on the property. So first, what's on, how old is the building, what's the volume of the building, what's the energy consumption, uh, but then also, um, if you want to build something, either something new or you want to um, maybe uh, extend the building with a new building, you want to renovate the old one and so on. Um, so what are maybe the energy potentials that you have on, um, on the building um, and on the property, for example, for geothermy? And um, we want to give this holistic uh, view both from a commercial side yeah, and but also from this sustainability side, which also becomes more and more a commercial aspect. Yeah? And this is what uh, we're trying to cover all with, with side. We're not 100% there where we want to be, but I think we already uh, moved quite far in this direction. Looking for new ways to find customers for your SaaS business? Consider adding an affiliate or customer referral program. Rewardful is the easiest affiliate tracking platform to set up, manage, and scale for SaaS companies. Log your customer acquisition cost and only pay based on results. Integrate Rewardful with your Stripe or Paddle account and set up your affiliate campaigns in minutes. Rewardful automatically tracks referrals, calculates commissions, handles upgrades and downgrades all seamlessly in the background, whether you sell one-off purchases or recurring subscriptions. Companies like Podia, Copy.ai, Barometrics, Synthesia, and many, many more are already using Rewardful to add that sweet, sweet MRR to their businesses. Sign up now at Rewardful.com for a free 14-day trial and turn your biggest fans into your best marketers. That's super cool. That that makes much more sense than mine. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I really loved how you said at first you were just adding this climate sensitivity and uh, sustainability into the picture, but now it also adds up to um, to the cost, to the value of whatever is being built. Uh, so that uh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, another another question that um, when I read, I, just, I I thought, why would that be there? Um, real-time potential so why is it real-time uh mm -hmm. is it really important to to give this kind of uh information fast like right here right now wouldn't it be okay to to get an information that was good a month ago yeah so um, i mean this is how it works 
now or in the past, you have to go to an architect or an energy specialist and, and uh, they will create the study and, and then maybe a month later you get the results. But um, yeah, of course, the, the world is, is moving way faster today. today. And also, um, yeah, for example, sometimes when you want to have the opportunity to buy a property, you have to decide quickly, maybe at, in, in the next days or even at the same day. So there's a demand or a necessity to get these answers quickly. And the second point is, of course, it makes it much cheaper. Yeah. So um, if you go to an, an architect, this study will, will cost uh, yeah, a couple of thousand euros, probably. Um, and with a software solution, you can do it cheaper. Um, so this is the use case when you um, look at one building, yeah, delivering these ans answers faster and cheaper. Um, but there's also another aspect that um, uh, gives a completely new opportunity. Yeah? So at the moment, we have more than uh, 15 million uh, buildings and properties in our um, database. Uh, and for every of those buildings, we know um, the building potential, the current utilization, and these um, sustainability uh, factors and potentials. And um, we, we build a search engine, yeah, site search, where you can basically search within all these properties um, and search for properties that have a high um building potential that are interesting from maybe an energy point of view and that are at the end suitable for what you want to develop yeah for example if you want to build um in a certain region um uh, you develop um living space for elderly people then you probably want to um, want a building with a certain size um, you want uh, certain amenities nearby, like maybe a doctor or something and good infrastructure for public transport and so on. And um, we can identify then every property that's suitable for what you, you, uh, you want to build. And this is basically the first uh, digital um, way to do this kind of project acquisition that has not been existing before. Wow, that, that's very... Um... Exciting. I can understand how you're utilizing the, uh, the data, but how were you able to get it in the first place? I mean, 15 million houses, right? Yeah. How did yes. you get there? <laughs> <laughs> so actually the, the very first step, and this was also, uh, if we um, go back to Sri Lanka, when we sit there, we ask the same question, is there data with which uh, you can do it? And the first thing that we had to do is um, basically get this, um, yeah, what you would call as a digital twin of every building and also get every property. Yeah? And um, this is luckily possible um, because the, um, yeah, the Vermessungsverwaltung, I think the English word is uh, surveying agencies of the federal states, um, they have these uh, catastral systems where they track all the parcels and, and properties and um, you can get this data from them. Yeah? And then you have basically, let's say, a two-dimensional two view on the um, uh, yeah, cities. And uh, what we then put on top of it is um, uh, LiDAR data. So this is in, are 3D point clouds that are um, yeah, 
um, taken with laser scanners from planes. Yeah. Also, the, the governments, the states um, create this data and they publish it. And we combine this um, 3D data with the 2D data from the catastrophe system to build digital twins of every property and, and building. And then we can exactly say what is um, basically, uh, um, yeah, how does the building look? What is the roof shape? Uh, what is the volume? We can even calculate the exact floor space, the amount of floors and so on. And we also know the usage type of uh, the properties and the buildings. Yeah, is it residential, commercial, and so on? And um, this is the the base of the the data. Yeah, so that we know what is what is built. Yeah, and this is where you have to start. Um, and then we started to uh, train our AI to basically, um, yeah, learn the building law and, um, yeah, then uh, make predictions on what's uh, the maximum utilization of a property in terms of how high are you allowed to build and um, how many floors are you allowed to build and how much, how yeah, how much um, of the property are you allowed to to cover with your building. Yeah, and this um, this is a very let's say complex um, AI model um, with a lot of features that we had to engineer that represent these different aspects of the building law, and then um, we train it in a in basically a two step system. Yeah, and the first is that we train the AI on every building and property yeah so and then after that um, it's basically able to um, make suggestion as an average building yeah and then we fine-tune it with um, labels that we created ourselves um, so labels are basically example data um, that uh, we give the ai to train and, and to learn and um, these labels are created or created by our architects um, to um, basically represent how we want the AI to make the predictions. Yeah, So this will be, of course, more highly utilized buildings because you don't want to build the average. You rather want, if you now want to build something, it's usually uh, you want to yeah, highly utilize um, the property. Uh, and also, of course, other aspects are taken into account. And um, yeah, we generated more today around um, 10,000 of those labels, our experts, our own. And this is then the, the um, actual yeah, fine tuning of the, the AI model. These are the, the main data sources. And um, a third data source that I didn't mention yet is satellite data and um, aerial images. Um, that we use to um, yeah, also detect aspects of the building and the property. Yeah? So how, how old is the, the building, um, which areas are sealed, um, these kinds of things. Okay, it starts to really shape up in my head. And uh, I had a really fun conversation with another founder where I said, uh, I asked him if um, it will be possible to maybe someday um, substitute customer support with AI. And he said, it's easier to substitute lawyers with AI. And see here, yours could pass the bar probably. So <laughs> yeah, it's not, I wouldn't say it's a, it's a subsidy um, because at the end only um, the Bauamt yeah, uh, can give you legal um, uh, assurance that you can really build that. Um, but also an architect 
cannot give you the, this um, uh, this legal uh, yeah, insurance. Um, so uh, what we're trying to aim is really to, in, in this very first phase for project developer, uh, for um, real estate agent, but also for architects do, to do quick evaluations, to compare different sites, to compare how uh, would it look like if I renovate uh, this property and maybe extend it with two floors instead of building something new to compare these different variants. And um, yeah, this is more our goal instead of replacing then, let's say, an, an architect or a lawyer. All right. So you were just taking away this this first layer of work, which is just a bunch of paperwork. Right. Yeah, and this, and I would also say that we enable our users, um, yeah, to um, do something that wouldn't have been possible before. These quick, um, yeah, uh, comparison of different variants, um, the search for the the suitable site, for example. Yeah, so um, this was very much manual work in the in the past. Yeah, so um, right. Okay. Well, like they say, the best business ideas are, are not the the completely new ones, but something that mm -hmm. was already there, but you could just simplify it and make it so beautiful. So uh, perfect. I want to go uh, into the operational side of it and um, the leadership and the team and, and then uh, the fundraising. So let's start with fundraising, right? Um, I read that you raised 2.6 million right a couple of yeah, years the, ago in the in the our seed round last year yeah. we raised 2.6 million and we had another angel round before which were 600,000 so um yeah right why did you decide to to go that way like you the tech and your your partner knows the architecture why don't you try to, to utilize that and the fact that you have already some experience building businesses, why go to VCs? Yeah, so it was clear from the very beginning that this is a very tech heavy um, product. And um, so we need specialists from machine learning, geoinformatics, <clears throat> building law, architects, um, software engineers, back and front end. So there's a lot of expertise that has to come together. And um, yeah, this is this was pretty clear for us that this is not feasible to bootstrap. And um, yeah, this is why we went this path with, uh, with VCs right away. What was the most challenging part in uh, raising a round? First mm. or second? Which one was, was uh, better? Easier. So the the first one we still did uh, before, let's say the the financial uh, yeah um, situation changed. Yeah, so uh, it was one and a half year ago. So um, that was definitely easier. Um, I mean, it was a little bit different uh, context, of course, with the, the business angel and also um, yeah how to set up the the shareholder structure um, and yeah in this in our seed round we basically uh, raised it in in the middle of the um, yeah uh, when the crisis started and that was definitely more challenging than we thought and yeah then of course we were very happy at the end that 
we succeeded in, in the way how we had planned it, but it was challenging. Okay, so uh, how do you approach them? How did you uh, show that there is a market? Everyone says start selling be before you have a product. Did you do that? And if yes, then in what way? Yeah, so um, we started quite early to uh, sell something. So which was, let's say, uh, data and software enabled service. Yeah, so we um, provided a service to our customers um, uh, to um, sell basically this studies, yeah, um, profitability studies of um, real estate sites. And we were able to already deliver it within uh, 24 hours <clears throat> based on this data platform that we built up based on the first models that we created, but it was still um, yeah, a manual service where our expert checked it. And this is uh, with what we started. And um, I think this was also a good idea to build up early these relationships to um, yeah, um, the customers and, and also to some some prominent brands and that definitely helped them also in the fundraising process. Right. So about, about the fundraising, just a bit more, uh, did you go to people that, that had some kind of experience in that space or you just wanted to basically try everybody, whoever is interested? Um, sorry, I, I think I didn't get the, the right. question. Can you so the it? VCs that you went to, did you did you try and find um, somebody that has experience in this sustainable urban design and uh, the the problem that you're solving, right? Real estate or um, something in, in um, this space, or you just reached out to all the VCs in Germany mm -hmm. or or world worldwide. <laughs> Yeah, so so clearly not to to all of them. I think that never makes sense. So of course we um, had a profile. Um, either um, uh, we focused mainly on on either prop tech investors. So there are some funds that specialize on that, um, and deep tech um, investors, and and also let's say the more general ones. Um, yeah, and. Um, I would say we had um, already in the in the angel, angel round um, the cap table was built up with let's say expertise from um, yeah the area what what we do and we also um, got two more um, experts as business angel than in, in the seed round but the other ones were then more let's say uh, tech investors like the high tech Kunderfonds, for example uh, that usually yeah invest in, in deep tech topics. Okay. All right. So um, you said you started selling uh, upfront, right? So who did you go to? Did you did you try to um, dip into the network of uh, your co-founder because he's been mm -hmm. in the space for for uh, some time, or you just went cold emailing, cold calling, uh, whatever real estate companies out there? Yeah. So in the in the very first place, um, so this is the. The main, uh, let's say, expertise uh, of my co-founder, Matthias, who does a really awesome job in, in selling and uh, business development. And in the first place, it was mainly um, based on the network that he already had. Yeah. <clears throat> so the first clients came through that. And of course, at some point, this, let's say, um, yeah, um, 
changed a little bit. And also, let's, let's say with a um, seed funding round, we built up a um, sales team and um, also got someone for, for marketing. And um, yeah, they are doing also an amazing job now. And um, of course, this has, let's say, much more... Um, professionalized and um, exceeds the original network that uh, we or especially Matthias had. And um, yeah, this is how it uh, developed then. Yeah. So uh, as far as I understand, the, um, the round that you raised went mostly into hiring, right? Uh, so how big is the team now and what mm -hmm. kind of uh, mindset do you have when you hire people? What kind of culture are you trying to build? Yeah, so um, we have 15 people full-time and uh, for us the team is uh, by far the most important and I would say it's the most important success factor. So we have a very open-minded culture and um, we are also um, yeah, a diverse team from um, multiple cultures even migrated two people to uh, Germany from from abroad that wanted to come over here um, and um, we, we are very um, at the very senior level team I would say so um, we have some juniors also but uh, most of the first hires that we did um, were very experienced senior people experts in their domain and um, yeah, this is also, I think, something that's uh, kind of unique for a startup, especially in this um, early phase. But in my opinion, very, very crucial um, because these people then train also the next people that come in and they build the, the foundation. And um, yeah, so um, my personal um, goal is to, to always hire people that are better than than me and uh, me and my co-founder. Co and um, I think we have succeeded with that. And, and I'm very proud of that. That's awesome. Like you said, it's very unique. I, um, uh, I will bring a bit of uh, my personal experience um, from, from a tech startup. And there we also had uh, a dilemma. So what is better for a tech startup to bring just amazing minds, senior, people that know what they are doing and know how to leverage this new uh, software or just bring as many uh, young, hungry ambassadors as possible, you know, to just start building. So, but I guess it's a very different story because you're building something that's um, a bit more deep tech. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, ideally, you need both, yeah, experienced uh, people, but uh, hungry and and uh, motivated as a young crowd. So, uh, but um, yeah, in our case, we we lean, let's say, a little bit more towards uh, the senior uh, type of people. Right. So, they... can you share the tips? Like, a lot of founders are afraid of uh, hiring someone who's senior because they they've got the experience. You cannot underpay them, right? Unless you have this revolutionary, uh, world changing idea um, that the, they are so motivated to work on it, they are ready to forego this. Um, you cannot really, you know, buzz them around. Uh, it's maybe a bit more difficult to to teach them 
So how do you integrate uh, them into the team or how do you build the team around? What's your approach? Yeah, so I think the, the very first people are the hardest part that you have to convince. But uh, if you go this path that um, with the senior people, very experienced guys, uh, experts, and, and also we have um, really um, renowned researchers in, in their field. So if you have the first of those in the company, this is also something that attracts them than others. And they say, oh, wow, this guy, uh, he's working for SIT. Um, that must be something. Um, and yeah, of course, at the same time, you, you must be very uh, convincing about um, your vision. And, and also, I think um, we, we can prove or uh, at, let, let's say at least um, it sounds reasonable that Matthias and I, with these two different competences that we combine and also our track record, that we will be able to um, yeah, do and, and succeed what we want to do, yeah, that we have the capabilities. And yeah, but at the end, it's a very hard uh, job and um, consumes a lot of time of the, the founders, I would say. Um, but it's, yeah. Uh, one of the most important, if not the most important um, uh, job of the founders to get a good team. Right. Okay. Thank you. So uh, a few more questions. And first, of course, about AI. I mean, now everyone wants to slap AI somewhere. <laughs> Where would it go? <laughs> uh, it's a buzzword. What do you think about this? What do you think about the democratization of AI? What does it do for you? Like mm -hmm. maybe maybe you've got a story when a VC wasn't very uh, interested at, at first, but then when you said AI, you know, <laughs> their eyes started sparkling uh, or, or something like that. So what um, what's your view on democratization of AI and what it could potentially mean for the businesses? Mm -hmm. So um, regarding your questions uh, with the investors, uh, we had raised around right before ChatGPT was released. So um, the hype just started uh, a little bit later. Uh, oh. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, maybe it's helpful in the next round. I don't know. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely um, not only a hype, it's it's a yeah, revolution, I would say. And um opportunities um, are manifold and I think it's a very good trend that um, through especially through chat GPT um, this topic of AI or AI had, has been um, becoming accessible by everyone yeah and it's it's absolutely amazing what we can do already today uh, how it um, makes um, work and and uh, processes uh, easier um, already and it's just the the beginning so i i think it's um yeah i'm i'm absolutely amazed by this uh new development and i think it will have a big impact for sure all right i think for a lot of people chat gpt is ai and i just uh i just started noticing how after this whole uh hysteria um a lot of uh, other startups uh, that use AI uh, and used it for for a while be before ChatGPT, 
uh, just started popping up and started being a mm. lot more visible, right? And you you kind of just wake up and realize, oh, so it's not just chat GPT. People are actually building incredible stuff with it. So, um, yeah. yeah, I completely agree with you. Okay. And, um, another question is maybe it's a bit too early, but, uh, let's, uh, let's try and reflect a bit on your journey that you've already had. It's something that I will, I always ask, um, what's the, so far the biggest win and the biggest failure for site? Mm, what's the biggest win um, in the journey building upside? Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm definitely most proud of uh, of the team that we've built up. So uh, with that team, we can basically rock anything. Um, I'm also very proud of um, the customers that um, we have won. So we have some, yeah. Let's say really the 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 most uh, well known um, players in the in the real estate market like England Völkers. We have the banks like Sparkassen and Volksbanken. Uh, we have a lot of brands that I may not name, but uh, which are very big and uh, well known. So this is definitely something um, um, we are very proud of. And yeah. Um, for me, of course, as a techie, one of the, the biggest moments was uh, in December last uh, year when we released our AI directly to, to our customers. Yeah, So until that point, we were still checking the results ourselves, but then, um, yeah, we basically uh, made it customer-facing and that was, of course, a wow moment uh, for us. And, uh, and yeah. for them, too. For them too, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so yeah, it has been a, a fun journey. A, a lot of learnings also for me personally. Um, haven't been done B two B. It's different, of course, uh, than than B two C. I could reuse a lot of my skills that I learned before, but also learning a lot of new stuff um, now. So yeah, it's. So what's Very not, nice. maybe not, not the, the failure of the, I think it's a bit too early, but, uh, a challenge, something that mm -hmm. you, you couldn't maybe estimate at first to be so difficult. Yeah. So when, when we found it site, it was before the financial situation changed, um, and also let's say right before these uh, the the um, real estate market started to change yeah so when we started our product was uh, built mainly for this use case of new buildings yeah but the, um, for example the market of uh, of uh, new buildings has been um, going down i think 75% in the last quarter and um, also coming up all these new topics regarding sustainability and um, yeah, the rising uh, interest rates that uh, impacted the market uh, heavily made us to, um, yeah, I wouldn't call it pivot, but uh, we had to adapt a lot to these new uh, market um, requirements and, and changes. And also the market itself, they, um, a lot of, companies in the first place when this happened were dealing and focusing on themselves because they were facing challenges and 
Um, now we can experience that it changed a little bit. They are looking for, um, uh, again, more for, um, yeah, solutions like side. They, they realize that they have to do something, but, um, yeah, I would say this, um, drastical change in the economic situation and especially in the building and real estate industry that was not foreseeable and, and was the biggest challenge for sure. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it. I think the last year just kind of rocked everyone's world. So uh completely agree with you. Okay. And um, I guess one more question will be, again, back to AI. Uh, so what was your uh, biggest aha moment, like a, a learning um, thing that you would want to, to share with everyone who considers um adding ai to their business oh yeah i think i have a very good one so um i think the explainability of the results this is something that we completely underestimated in the beginning and also we still have to to uh, put a lot of work on so basically uh, we are giving our customers uh numbers for let's say the floor space that you can build on the property but and, and the, we know the numbers are really, really good. Yeah, they are very accurate. But this alone is not enough. You have to build up this trust. Yeah, the customer needs to uh, trust the AI. And it's much harder for a human to tr trust a machine than uh, another human or an expert um, in particular. And I think this is something you have to um, yeah, implement in your product and also in your um, uh, tech strategy early on. That um, yeah, you get give these um, yeah measures of explainability. For example, visualizing things or um, explaining how the this is calculated. For example, pointing to other properties uh, next to it. So the the neighbor has uh, two stories more. So this is why it's likely that you are also allowed to build story, two stories more. And and these kind of things is definitely um, something. I would say you have to consider when you build an AI product. Right. Okay. So uh, again, this is, this is not the first one. Actually, I, I had another founder who, uh, who's also uh, working with AI and exactly what, uh, what they said, like, uh, you have such a low trust and such a low, um, understanding of what's, what's inside, what it took to to give you that answer right to to create all the data for you so if it's a person uh and they make a mistake you just you just tell them well can you just can you clear that up you know and then do some more but when it's ai you just say oh it's we're not going to use it anymore because it's bad so i guess you're right you have to definitely build a trust and just make people used to the fact that now it's a machine and you know mm -hmm. it's okay yeah absolutely yeah especially i mean this is very can be very challenging um because these um machine learning algorithm these deep learning algorithms they um they work yeah we can see that and and you can research it and and prove it but uh, you cannot prove that the algorithms work in a classical mathematical way yeah and kind of still a little bit um, of a black box often yeah there are techniques how to um, also implement then explainability into the models but it's um, 
often just a, a black box in in the first place and so it's it's a challenge um and but it's super crucial i would say right okay well david it was absolutely amazing to to learn about what you do at site and uh, you know the, this whole new uh new area for me to be honest um super excited to see what you're going to do next and how it's going to change real estate in germany and maybe the world too <laughs> <laughs> yeah thanks a lot for uh, having us here and yeah if this court interests someone our domain is uh, site.ms uh, site with a y and um yeah so thanks a lot anna and thank see you, you. Soon. it was a pleasure bye <laughs> bye That was yet another awesome conversation on SaaS Unbound. We're always looking for new guests to share their experiences. We mostly talk with bootstrapped SaaS founders. And if you're one, reach out to me directly at anna at saas.group or find me on LinkedIn. If you're not bootstrapped or even not SaaS, but have a great story to tell, we want to hear from you too. And obviously, SaaS Unbound wouldn't be possible without the SaaS group a founder-friendly private equity company that buys awesome businesses that people love to take them to even greater success. If you're thinking about selling your company or just exploring your options, feel free to visit saas.group, fill in the form, and expect a response in under 24 hours.